how many know that it really is um, the presence of God is something that we need to continually practice being in because if we don't, we just get into a groove of just doing our thing and thinking, oh, everything's good with God. In reality, we've kind of lost, uh, lost connection, and it's not Him who left. And I've often thought with, with, with Tracy, my goodness, if I, uh, if I walked out my marriage with Tracy the way I have walked my relationship with the Lord at times, I don't know that we'd still be married. Hello, yeah? Yeah. And I think the reality is God wants more. And guess what He wants more of? Not your doing. He wants more of he wants you, right? I'm going to have you quickly turn to Luke chapter 2. We've been talking about the presence of God and, 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 and just uh, what the Lord wants to say and do in that, but I think sometimes we just need to be brought back to some reminders of what it is to really walk with the Lord and get our eyes off of our, our, our soapboxes and all the opinions we think we have and all the feelings we think should dominate our lives and start getting into the, the, the reality of looking at God in all things. Luke chapter 2, um, oh, I'm just going to, uh, I'll read it super fast. I'll be like the guy at the end of those commercials that tell you all the things that are wrong if you take this medication, but they don't want you to hear it, even though they could, the medicine will kill you quicker than whatever you had in the first place. Um, let's start with verse 41. If you're there, let me hear you say amen. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12, they went up to the festival, according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Now, my guess is the reason they were not really paying attention is, my guess is Jesus was a pretty responsible little guy, and they had a family. He was doing what he's supposed to be doing, right? And uh, so it wasn't, plus he was with family, he was with relatives and friends. So, you know... Let's not worry too much about this. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And three day, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now, here we go. We're going to land on verse 49 just for a moment, okay? Here we go. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's what? house, in my father's house. He's like, you know what? If you really thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, you would have known where I was. Now here, this is really interesting. So I'm not trying to tear anything apart. Some translations, and I'm sure there's some floating around in here that's, that actually say, I had to be about my father's business. Who's saying that right now? Yeah, a couple of you do. Had to be about my father's business. But I'm going to tell you something very interesting. I, 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 I came across this in the New American Standard, which is really it's no big deal. No quiz on this, I promise you. But the word, it also says, in my father's house, but the word house is italicized, and so I got digging in. Why is that? Why is that word house italicized? And I'm going to tell you why. Is everybody ready for this? There really is no word in the Greek 
in Luke chapter 2 that says business or house. They just took that as it was inferred. But if you read it as it actually says, you want to know what it really kind of says if you want to go with it? And I understand, and, and I'm going to show you that house is not a bad answer. Neither is business, but sometimes we start thinking that God wants us to get out there and do, right? Oh, come on now. God wants us to be out there doing for Him, right? I've heard it in front of board meetings. God, be with us as we do your business. Amen. Whoa. Well, what is His business? Right? Oh, we usually chalk it up accordingly, right? No. Really, if you read this as it's actually listed in the Greek, it would roughly say this, two ways. Either it would say, didn't you know I had to be in the things of my father? Or it even maybe even said, didn't you know I just had to be with my father? Now, let me ask you a question. We are called to who in all of history represents more of what we are called to be like than anybody else. What's his name? Yes. And what was Jesus' focus? To be with his what? Now you say, hold up, wait a minute. It still says Father's house. Well, let me just read something that David wrote in Psalm 27. Everybody with me right now? David wrote this, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will see, this I will seek, that I may dwell in the house, everybody say house, of the Lord forever and all the days of my life. Now, why does he want to dwell in the house of the Lord? You ready? To behold the beauty of my God. So can everybody kind of see that this isn't just about a doing thing? Okay, I was here to, so I could start my life of doing right? So I could start my life of stuff, right? No. Didn't you know I had to be with who? My father. Jesus did this his whole life, guys. I just jotted a few down. Mark chapter 1, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to do what? He prayed. Now, oftentimes, this is what we believe prayer is, but to me, many times, that looks like begging. Amen? That looks like begging. And usually we do this many times when something bad is happening. But no prayer is this. Oh, God, you are so amazing. Oh, God, thank you for all that you've done. I thank you I woke up today. I thank you that, Lord, everybody else around me has got the flu, and I just ask you to bless them, but I don't have it. Thank you, Jesus. And if I do get it, you'll bring me right through. Hallelujah. But thank you be to God that I can trust you in every situation. And I thank you, Lord, that you know our situation. And you know that you're ministering in it and through it. Lord God, it's so hard. And there are times that, Lord, I just need you to show me. But I can trust you to do that. Oh, thank you for being who you are. Do you see what I'm saying? This is not, this is not, oh, God. God of all creation. Now, He is. But I don't talk to Tracy that way either. Tracy, maker of all good dinners. Now, you laugh, but you know what I'm talking about, folks. Uh, it's easier because Tracy, I can see her, I can touch her. Guys, 
Oh. Tangible presence of God that He desires you to begin walking in. Oh, what? We haven't lived very much like that. We've held on to our marriage license, but haven't really been married. We've held on, our, held on to our get-out-of-hell-free card, but haven't really lived like we're connected and in, in, in one with the Father. Who's hearing that right now? What else did Jesus do? Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. After Jesus dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Luke, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him. Isn't that cool? What did Jesus do? He didn't always do it solitary. You know how he led the disciples? You know how he discipled the disciples? By praying before he did anything with them. By seeking the Father, the presence of God. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him. He did that a lot. So what I'm trying to get at is this. What was Jesus' precedence? To first go heal or first be with the Father? Okay, I, I heard six people, and I really want to make sure you get this. What was the precedence for Jesus? What was the priority? Was the priority to minister to the sick, the demon-possessed, to declare the kingdom of God first, or was it to be with the Father? Is everybody hearing me? Thank you. Thank you. Here's this, folks. We have for a long time come, contrived what church ministry and being a Christian looks like based on doing without being first. Okay, who's with me right now? Nudge somebody if they're asleep because they need to hear this today. Come on now. Get that sharp elbow out and say, hey, come on. Come on. In fact, so much so, why do we sit? Why, why, why do we get in the presence of God? Because, man, first of all, that's what a relationship with God is. He's the one that's going to save me from hell, right? Come on, let's get to the heart of the matter. He's the one that's going to save me from hell, right? Wouldn't I want to stay connected with that guy? Wouldn't I want to stay connected with the Savior instead of pretending? How many pretenders have we had at some point in your life? Come on now. Oh, I made a commitment to Jesus, but I haven't really been living for Him. No, you just haven't been in relationship with Him, and He's the one you need. Oh, my goodness. It's until you know me. But also then, He says, then I do have plans and purposes for you, but you don't know your purpose until you know me. Whew. Look at your neighbor right now, because they need to hear that right now. Say, you don't know who you are until you know Him. Some people don't want to talk to some people today, I see. Okay, let's try this again. Danny, you don't know who you are until you know Him. Is that right? Now, you tell me. I don't know who I am until I know Him. Oh, you tell me, not you. Yeah, I know you don't know who you are. You tell me who I am. You don't know who you are until you know Him. Amen. Now, tell everybody. Come on, tell them right now. You don't know who you are until you know Him. So you wonder why life is, oh, I've tried to serve God and my life is just falling apart. Get your eyes off your life. Get your eyes on Him. Because you don't know who you are until you know Him. 
And I'm going to tell you what, I could be married to this woman for 15 years and I could have a marriage license and a wedding ceremony, but if I have not interacted with her in relationship and I have not spent time in her presence and she in my presence, we don't have a marriage. So if you have not spent time with your father, your savior in his presence, you don't have a relationship. And if you don't have a relationship... Who's hearing? Any amens in the house today? Because I need to say one. Amen. Woo! Guys, here's the thing. <laughs> the worst place you could possibly be, you say, oh, I can come up with a lot of them. Me too, me too. Me too. But really, honestly, the place you don't want to be is a place where God already was, but has already moved on ahead, and you're still trying to stick around. Many people come to Jesus and then just kind of stay there and never follow Him. And guess what? He moved on. Not away from you. He wanted you to do what? The worst place we could be is a place where God was and not is. See, we think we can figure out our situations, our problems. Our, we think we can lead a church. We think we can do business. We think we can be bosses and, and we can do, be employees and we can be John 15 and, and we can be all these things. We somehow think we can be those things without Him. But John 15, 5, which I have said 18,000 times, but it has a new meaning to me this week, without me talking about Jesus, you can do nothing. Amen? Revelation 2, I shared this with the men's group the other evening. How many know that in Revelation 2, I'm just going to kind of skim these just for a moment. Uh, Jesus sent, had seven letters, had John write down seven letters to the seven churches in the area, and one of them was to the letter uh, to the church of Ephesus. Everybody say Ephesus. We know that as also Paul wrote a letter to them, and that is the book of what? Ephesians. So, the, to the book of Ephesus. And, you know, it, it's really interesting because Jesus points out some things that, that, you know, and this, a lot of this can be like, oh, we know this, but just hear me just for a second. He said, look, here's the thing. I know what you can do. He's saying Ephesus, I know what you can do. Thumbs up. Good job. I know what you can do. Your hard work and your perseverance. I know you can do those things. I know that you can't tolerate wicked people. I know that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but aren't. And I know you have found them false. You have persevered. You've endured hardships for my name and haven't gotten tired. Good job. Now, what I just described sounds like a lot of Christians that I've met, including myself. Right? Sounds like a lot of believers like myself. This is how we've lived and declared we have a relationship with Jesus because this is what we do. Right? But this is what Jesus goes on to say. Yet I have this against you. I got this problem. You're not doing the first things first. And what's the first things first? You have forsaken your first love. 
In other words, you're not really in relationship, intimate relationship with me. You're just doing stuff. You're just doing stuff. And you've gotten to a point where maybe when you started out, you were doing good stuff because you were listening to the Lord, but now you're just doing the same thing you did before. Oh, guys, let me tell you this. Hello. Went to North Carolina. <laughs> Went to North Carolina. I am so glad I, I was before the Lord, before Dad and I drove down to North Carolina, on, down to Charlotte on Thursday. I'm like, Lord, go before us. I'm just going to thank you for your protection. Because we weren't on the road an hour, and Dad almost got sideswiped by a car. Then a tractor trailer, because I chose to be a passenger that, for that first part of the trip, and I knew that that was just by faith. And so... <laughs> tractor trailer. So dad's cruising along in the passing lane and you know 81 tractor trailer heaven or hell however you want to look at it and here comes this tractor trailer and dad's in the passing lane and it's rolling over into our lane and it's not like it's in front of us. Here it is. I'm looking at this thing. Is this coming to me? In the blinker I'm like dad he, he doesn't see us, and I don't know why. So dad's cruising over into the shoulder, and he's, we're on the rumble strips, and he's going 70 miles an hour, and we're, I'm just like, he's back, he's back, until that tractor trailer runs. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, I'm thanking you that I am in relationship with you right now. In Jesus' name. For otherwise, my dad would not have been like Dukes of Hazard. For those of you who know what I'm talking about but would have had us killed. And so thank you, Jesus, for equipping him. Because I think it was Tracy and my mom, wow, you guys were actually handled that pretty well. I'm like, I know, that's the amazing part. God, you're so good. And we were just saying, well, thank you, Lord. And we moved on to our next conversation. So I thought, well, that had to have been Jesus because we weren't sitting there going, oh, you know, but there were some other things. So we're leaving Charlotte, and I'm cruising along. And I got that. My mom's car, it's got every bell and whistle in it. I don't get it. And the cruise control, I put it on and I set it to 73. Because, you know, anybody ever notice how you always have to give that one mile or two above the young okay. So 73. And I put that thing on 73 because I'm like, all right, we're getting home. It's late. we got to get home. And I didn't know that my mom's car uh, is smarter than me. And so when it gets within about 50 feet of a vehicle in front, it disengages and slows your car down. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Why does this thing keep disengaging? What's happening? And Dad's like, oh, I don't know. It's your mother's car. And I'm like, I don't know what is going on. And so I'm trying to figure this thing out and trying to figure out what's going on. And, and finally, I get that sucker going. I'm like, he said, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. It disengages when you're getting too close. I'm like, well, it would have been nice to know, but that's okay. So I get it set 73. We start talking. Not, what, three minutes later, whoo, blue lights behind me. I had been so focused on getting the right thing done and getting that cruise control set that I failed to pay attention to the work zone that I started to move into. And it was very unassuming. We were just talking. Yeah, everybody's going, oh, I know. Oh, I haven't even looked at how much I owe yet. So, oh, Lord Jesus, you're good. That's all I can say. And my provider in my stupidity. But I, I did not pay attention. It was unassuming. There were no lights or anything. It was just some cones along the road in a work zone, right? 70 miles an hour. Caught you going 50, uh, 73 and a 55. <sighs> It was 70 miles an hour back here. It was 70 miles an hour up there. But you know what? I was too busy doing 
and totally missed what I needed to be doing because I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't focused. And that's what the church does way too much. And then we wonder why the infractions. Then we wonder why things fall apart. Then we wonder why your bank account's getting emptied out. Just joking, you know. You wonder all those things. Where is our focus? Jesus says, you have forgotten your first love. You've got to get your eyes on me first. Don't do first. Be first. He goes on to say in, in, in the New Testament, back. how many know the story of, and everybody knows what I'm trusting. If not, I'll fill you in. Mary and Martha. Okay. Two sisters sitting in a house. Here's Jesus. One wants to serve Jesus and do for Jesus by making him peanut butter and jelly sandwiches he didn't ask for. One sister wanted to sit at his feet and listen to him. The one who was serving him got mad and started being critical because she was working out of her own strength. She wasn't doing what he had called her to do at that moment. And in Mary, sitting there, She's getting a scolding for not helping, and Jesus said, Martha, you are so worried about so many things. You know what? Look at Mary. What she has chosen is the better thing. That's the better thing. She's gotten before me first. I've heard people say, oh, but I wouldn't want to live in a world without Martha's. You know what? That was spoken by somebody who's a Martha. Because I don't want to live in a world where we aren't acknowledging Christ first, getting our marching orders first, being in His presence and empowered first to do what He's called us to do, and then doing it. Probably the one that shook me up the most was this, and I shared this with some of the leaders this week. Back in the Old Testament, we had first king raised up for, the, for Israel, and his name was Saul. Anybody ever heard that name before? Who chose him? People did, but who chose him for the people? God did. And I do believe that Saul had some experiences, but Saul's problem was this. God did choose him, but Saul became very position-focused. He became very focused on who he was, on to his position, and what he did. In fact, everything he did was about holding on to his position, his purpose, if you will. Now, I'm going to ask you all a quick question before I go on. How many of you are all about trying to figure out your purpose constantly? And when our focus is that and not what we're going to see here in a moment, we're in trouble because what happened was Saul began to compromise what he knew was truth and actually began to do the opposite of what God desired for him simply because he was trying to hold on to his position and purpose. He was focused on who he, what, what, what he did as opposed to whose he was. And you know what happened? God rose up. God basically did this to Saul because Saul had done this to God. God said, or Saul basically said, I don't want your presence. I don't want nothing to do with you. I want to make sure that my presence, so even if that means acting like I have a relationship with you to keep my position and, pre- and purpose here, uh, that's what I'll do. But I don't want anything. You're not my first. God sensed that. So guess what? Saul made his choice. Well, then David comes along. King David, he's raised up. Of course, how many know that Saul was infuriated by David? 
Why? Because he was so, he knew what he'd done. Even when he was doing other things, Samuel, the prophet Samuel said, pray to, the God, pray to God, and, 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 and Saul's not even wanting to repent. He's wanting other people to do it for him. Whereas David, who, yes, he made many errors, but do you know what his focus was? His focus was not his position. His focus wasn't even his purpose. From day one, his focus was, I want to do everything it takes to stay in the presence of God. Everything it takes. And that's what I'm going to do. And we know that David erred in many things, but I'm going to tell you what. One thing he didn't err in was the main thing. He stayed in the presence of God. And that undergirded him his whole life. So I have to tell you this. Your purpose and your position is found in God, in the presence of God. Daily life cannot happen. Period. Daily life cannot happen without Him first. How many were here last week? Okay. How many remember we started off before I preached? We just took a moment just to worship the Lord and give Him thanks, honor, and praise. How many remember that? Did anybody notice how suddenly everything, it was like the whole atmosphere just changed? Anybody notice that or was that just me? The whole atmosphere just changed. Preaching just was effortless. People were hearing in mode. What, what was the difference? We went from a receiving mode into a giving and praising in relationship mode. That's why I say to you guys, you want the presence of God in this place? How many do? Then start bringing Him with you. I'm looking at them. I'll look at you all too. Start bringing the presence of God with you. How? What, what are you talking about? Who here is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that what Scripture says? Yes, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we are pressing in and we are experiencing His presence on a daily basis, not just waiting to walk in this room to get a little touch of God, but when we're experiencing it in our homes and at our workplaces because that's our connection here wherever we are, then when we walk in this place, it's an overflow. My pastor friend in Cuba, they don't have Sunday service. They have Celebration Sunday. Because they have, in Cuba, you can only have so many people gathering. So you can't call it a church service when three and 4,000 people are gathering together. So they have house church all week, and throughout the week, and people are sharing and just in the presence of God together, encouraging each other to grow in that and just seek His face. So when they gather together on Sunday as a celebration, somehow they got that loophole, they were able to pull it out. When they gather together, what do you think that time is like? And that's why we're beginning to see revival in Cuba. They're very much on the cusp of that, of what's happening there. But see, we have gotten ourselves on cruise control. We set ourselves at 73, and we're not paying attention to the fact that different things are happening. Right? Until suddenly we see the blue lights. I'm going to tell you now, more than ever before, we must seek the presence of God before you do anything else. Daily, hourly, you say, oh, how do I do that? Come on, folks. Thank you, Jesus. 
I worship you right now. In fact, let's just do this. We're going to have to close the service this way. We just worship you right now. We honor you. Now, as you sit in that pew, I don't care if you've not worshiped God in your life. All I'm asking you right now, open your mouth to God and just talk to Him. Right there. Just talk to Him. We just praise you. Thank you. Thank you for undergirding me. Thank you for protection. Thank you for providing. Thank you. Thank you for moving. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you are. We just worship things around my life. Lord, I know these things are going on around my life, but I just want to thank you that you're more important than those things around my life. In fact, Lord, I don't want to do anything that as much to excite myself or excite others. I want to do what excites you, Lord. So I just want to know what you want. In fact, anybody here today just want to ask what the Lord wants? <laughs> what do you want, Lord? What do you desire today? You're holy, you're worthy. God, you're so good. Holy, holy, holy. You are good. And see, the more we practice these kind of things and we get into that, the more it just comes naturally. Thank you, Lord. We just worship you. We glorify you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're the healer of marriages. In Jesus' name, thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you're the healer of depression. In Jesus' name. I thank you that you're the healer of sickness in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you are the provider of all that we need. I thank you for ministering to every financial need in this place in Jesus' name. I thank you that you have never left us or forsake us. Not one of us can sit here now and say you failed us. No, you haven't. I want to thank you right now that, God, you are first. Not my work, not my family, not my job, not my money, not even my time. You are first in Jesus' name. My sickness is not first. My depression is not first. My illnesses are not first. My broken marriage is not first. My broken relationships with coworkers and my broken relationships around the area are not first. What was done to me by the enemy is not first, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I thank you that you are first in Jesus' name. I thank you that no amount of lies the enemy can throw at me can change the truth that sets me free. God, you are good. Lord, I am your vessel. Fill me today that your will be accomplished through me because it's you working through me. Lord, may my eyes be focused on you so much that I can see where you aren't and I know where you are. Lord, may my eyes be so focused that I'm not into, tempted into going into cruise control and that, Lord, I am just steady, steadily following you. Thank you for peace that passes all understanding. I thank you that I can't do all things. I thank you that I don't have the strength to do all things. I thank you that I can't make things happen. I thank you that, Lord, there are times I just want to fall apart. But I want to thank you that, Lord, those are just signs of the fact that I need you. And I want to get in your presence right now in Jesus' name. Sin, anything, you are good. Lord, we repent now because it is sin, anything we do outside of you in our own strength. Now, I'm so glad for your grace and mercy that doesn't bring destruction upon us uh, at that moment. But, Lord, I'm also thankful for your conviction that says, hey, I want to be first. I want to lead. I want to guide. Thank you, Jesus. To God be the glory.
So I'm going to ask you all sitting here right now, what is your belief system? You can take care of it or God has to take care of it. You can lead it or God has to lead it. Oh, we need you, Lord. And your tangible presence when we just get there sitting down saying, Lord, I'm not looking to feel you. I just want to thank you that I can get to know you. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just look up for a second. How many lives are being transformed right now because of Jesus? Just raise your hand just so people see. A life is being changed because of Jesus, right? Hey, I'm, I'm a different person than I was, amen? Can anybody say amen? I'm a different person. I'm not where I want to be, but I know I'm not where I once was, amen? Amen? That's not. And so, Lord, I want to I wanna hang on to you even more. Why would I want to go back? Does anybody want to go back? Anybody want to run back to what you were? No, then, Lord, I thank you that I can take hold of you now. I don't want to run away. Oh, there's this amazing story of the Israelites being led by Moses, by Moses to the Mount Sinai, and there's lightning and thunder and smoke, and God's doing it for one reason and one reason alone. He wanted to see if the people, how they would respond. Do they want Him more than what they see, or would they rather let what they see cause them to run the other way? And guess what they did? They said, Moses, you just go up. We're too afraid. You go on up, and then you, anything you tell us to do, we'll do. Moses is sitting there, oh, they're missing the point. I know the Lord's going, ah, I want to tell them what to do. I want to be in relationship with them. I don't just want to be in relationship with Moses and let him tell everybody else. I want to be in relationship with all three million of them. And that's the same here today. Same here today. What's your belief system? Do you feel like you have to take care of business? And are you, by what you see in life and whatnot, are you running the other way? Don't run away from God. Run to Him regardless. And take hold of Him. And say, thank you, Lord, for you are good and greatly to be praised. Let's just stand right now. Let's just worship Him one last moment together. We worship you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you because, God, you are good and greatly to be praised. You are good. Can anybody just give a shout of praise to the Lord today? Anybody? Come on. Can anybody just say, Lord, we praise you in this house today. We desire you first and foremost. We desire you above all else. God, we want your presence daily. And that's what we desire to do in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.